and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And a happy Saturday to all of you out there listening today. This is Arizona Sports Saturday. It's your weekend stop for live and local sports talk. You've heard the big voice, Mitch and Steve. I, Mitch. He, Steve. Trevor Henry behind the glass today on this Saturday. An NFL football Saturday, I might add. Yeah, the first time we have NFL action during the show. That's pretty cool. So uh, if we get easily distracted, we're just going to excuse ourselves and blame Jeff Saturday, who is... (laughs) We talked about this before the show. This is probably the dumbest stat. I don't know if you're hearing this for the first time, Trev. Jeff Saturday is the first head coach to coach on a Saturday named Saturday. Really? That makes sense to me. That does make sense, yeah. I can't think of another coach named Saturday. But you hear it and you just immediately... Why? He might be the last, too. (laughs) I can't think of any other coach with a name that is a day of the week. Well, Ryan Day, but he just covers all But that's all days, yeah. Ryan Day plays every day, you know? Yeah, I don't know anybody named Sunday. No. I know Rick Monday, but he was a baseball player. What you just did, that... Can we even call that a statistic? I don't even know if that counts as a statistic. That fact is a very Tim Kirchin oh, fact. Okay, okay. It's very so it's, quirky and it's weird. It's the NFL's official Twitter account. Okay. Here's their phrasing. NFL-type stat, sw- uh, sweat-dripping-down-face-laugh emoji, at Colts. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Okay. It's somebody's sweating. Well, hey. NFL action today. I'm I'm pretty pumped for that actually. Yeah, I like when they start playing on Saturdays. We've got three games today. We've got Minnesota is hosting the Colts. You've got the Cleveland Browns hosting the Baltimore Ravens, and then you have the Snow Bowl in Buffalo. The Bills are hosting the Miami Dolphins. It should be a good game or oh, yeah, a good slate of football today. That's supposed to be gnarly. Have you seen the pictures this morning? It's still snowing. they're kind of of in a bad spot to be starting this game so i know they already moved one game from buffalo right a couple weeks ago the thanks the the one before thanksgiving excuse me i personally believe if you're going to have a team in buffalo or green bay or new england where it snows at this time of the year you gotta play the games like if you don't want to play the games when it snows then move the when are you ever going to play the games there at all yeah use it's it's part of the game right I mean, if they had a playoff game in Buffalo, which is more than a possibility at this point, if you have a playoff game in Buffalo, are you really going to move the game if it snows? You play the game in the snow. It sucks for the players, but this is entertainment, people. Or here's what you do. You do what Minnesota did. Granted, they were playing in a dome before, but that that dome was hideous. And you snow got the better of them. Yeah, you build a better (laughs) stadium, and that's exactly what they did. As that one is just kicking off, and it's a pretty good opening kickoff return for the Colts. Almost to midfield on the kickoff return. Great start for Matt Ryan and the first ever Saturday coaching Saturday. Yeah, either build a roof or move the team. But don't move the game because it snowed. You're playing in Buffalo. Surely you had to know that that was coming. Yeah, surely you were prepared (laughs) for it. It's It's not like you haven't been in... Upper New York for all of these years. Uh, speaking of football, uh, far less exciting topics to talk about, unfortunately, to start this Saturday show. Um, this timeline of events this week, uh, let's start, I guess, with 
what we haven't even talked about, we were, of course, we didn't get to talk about because the game was on Monday, but Kyler Murray tearing his ACL and he's now done for an indefinite amount of time, maybe some of next year, too. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, obviously devastated for the player. Um, it, it It's terrible to happen to a person for a couple of reasons. One is the timeline that you don't really know when he'll be back, right? We can both assume he's going to miss all of OTAs and minicamp. He's going to yeah. miss training camp. Uh, he could miss time early next season. The best comp I can think of was Joe Burrow tore his ACL. I mean, he tore everything he was back in that knee. before the start of the season. But he also did it three weeks earlier in the season than yeah, Kyler did. In November. Kyler hasn't even had surgery yet. Right. It's going to happen after Christmas. So is that a fair timeline to put him on? I don't think so. We'll wait and see and hope that we have Kyler by the beginning of next season or very early next season. So that's that's one part of it. The second part of it is, and we talk about this, you and I, with baseball all the time, right? Where yes. you get Tommy John surgery. You're it's basically not just the timeline. It's, are you ever going to be the same player again? Yeah. And for a lot of guys, especially in baseball, the way that technology has advanced, the way that the surgery has advanced, yeah, a lot of the times you do get back to being as good, if not better. Knees are different, man. You have to be sturdy to be a quarterback. you got to run. And if you're Kyler, part of what makes him special is his ability to run. It's also what yeah. got him injured in the game on Sunday. The, the irony of the situation, yeah. So... You're asking a couple different questions with this. When will he be back? Will he be the same? And will he be scared to run? Or will they want to run him less in their offensive scheme because of what happened to his knee? And I think the answer to that is yes, they'll probably run him less. Here's where I immediately lean. This has happened now, the injury to the ACL. And it feels like every year that Kyler Murray has been a quarterback, he has had at least some sort of an injury that has kept him out. I mean, last year... It was, what was it, the hamstring injury? Earlier this year, it was the hamstring injury. Kyler Murray has not fully played to the level that we saw from Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. And I wonder if a big part of that is, even before he got hurt, and you imply he might be scared the next time he plays again, he looks scared to play now. Maybe. To get hit, to take a big hit, like... Well, I think there's a difference between being scared of getting hit and being good at avoiding contact. Because I've always thought Kyler was good at avoiding contact. That's fair, but he's avoiding contact because he's afraid of getting hit because he's afraid to get hurt. And I guess the irony of the situation is because he was making a move to avoid contact, he got hurt. Right. But and I also do think that that would have happened regardless. I don't think that it was just not going to happen if he didn't slide It's a, it's that a freak play. injury. These things happen when you have to move your body at that type of speed, velocity, however many words you want to throw in there. These injuries happen. It's not like it was completely avoidable. It could have been, depending on what the training regimen is, how he prepares each each week. But it's not completely avoidable. Eventually, you're going to put so much pressure on that knee with all of the flexibility and mobility that he has, and it's going to lead to something like this. I felt like it was completely unavoidable, and now that it's happened, he understands how to better take care of himself moving forward. That's what I believe. Now, the other thing that ran through my head, because you and I spent four, five months talking about nonstop. We talked about Kyler's contract situation over the summer and into the fall. The reason, the first thing that came to my head is, because I know a lot of fans saw the injury and they thought, man, we just paid this guy $230 million to be our quarterback, and now he's not even going to be around for the rest of this season, which is already probably lost at this point. I mean, it is lost. They're not going to the playoffs, and they've got four games against teams that, quite frankly, I don't see them beating any of them. 
But at the same time, like, I'm not disappointed in that because Kyler, from Kyler's perspective, this is the entire reason that he pressed for that contract Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to go into his final year of his contract like Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson is now hurt too, which is interesting. He didn't want to end up like Baker Mayfield, who's now on his third team. You don't want to be in that last year of the deal and he gets injured like this. The Cardinals might be right now, if they hadn't have signed that contract with him, they might be considering other options at quarterback. Hey, maybe we let Kyler walk in free agency and we go draft somebody else because they're going to have a high draft pick. Well, not like, even draft. Like, draft look pick. at the free agents that are going to be around this offseason. Not any of them better than Kyler, but Baker Mayfield's going to be a free agent. Sam Darnold's going to be a free agent. Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady. Those are some be a stop agents. Uh, of course, but yeah. is it better or worse than what you have right now? I guess would be the question if you were in a situation of not having paid him. Yeah, better than the injured quarterback, I suppose. Um, but at the same time, like I think about this, and for the player, I'm kind of happy for him in a weird way that he got the deal done because this was the exact scenario that he was trying to insure himself for. Correct. So I, I know it's weird as a fan to say you're happy for a player for getting paid or you're happy when they get injured. I'm certainly not happy that he's injured. No. But the fact that he got what he needed or felt he needed in order to go into this season insured and secure. And unfortunately, it all came to pass, but at least he was prepared for it. So there was that. And then two days later on Wednesday, so the ACL tears Monday, right now Wednesday, and a report initially from NFL Network's Ian Rappaport comes out that the general manager, Steve Kime, is is taking an indefinite leave of absence due to a health-related issue. Yeah. And then... The follow-up report the next day implied that this is something that had been in the works for weeks, months. We're not going to speculate what it is. No, but it's, it's, no. it's just another, oh my goodness, you've got to be kidding me with this football team moment this season. I think first and foremost, what came to my mind too is uh, with all these fans who are like, well, how do we know it's health-related? Are they just saying that and they're going to let him go? And as if it's like some precursor as to a firing. As if they're trying to hide something. Like, what? Well, no, come he, on. Here's the thing. The the team would not say health-related if they knew it wasn't because they know that eventually we'll find out what happened. Right. Eventually that will come to light. And it would be very, very bad for a team to put it out there that it was health-related when in reality they were just a precursor to a firing of a general manager for poor performance. So I, I highly, highly doubt that it has anything to do with that. And it probably, I just hope the guy is okay. Yeah. By the way, because it's, this is certainly a tumultuous season football wise. There's a human here and you tack on health related issues. I mean, there's a number of things that this could be. And I just feel for the guy. And then the last thing, which happened yesterday, uh, a law firm, which uh, names escape uh, the lawyers of Shields and Petiti, um, who are representing former Cardinals run game coordinator Sean Kugler. Mm. In a statement released by the lawyers, Kugler is implying that he was fired due to a, quote, miscommunication or because of, quote, mistaken identity regarding the incident where okay. he inappropriately touched a female in their Mexico City weekend game. He was sent home before the game and then, of course, promptly were relieved of duties. If I remember right, the incident occurred Sunday night. He was fired Monday. The game was Monday night. Correct. So he part was of gone his, before the game. Part of his legal argument is that the Cardinals did not do a thorough investigation before firing him. Clearly, they feel differently. They put out a statement after this came out yesterday or was this yesterday or two days ago? Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday. 
after that, the Cardinals put out a statement and said, "Nope, we're we're pretty sure we're pretty sure we got you for good reasons." You know, like the the phrasing in the statement was very straightforward to the point. And again, if you're the organization, you don't do that. You don't double down unless you know you're right. Quote, as an ongoing legal matter, we are going to refrain from comment other than to say that the team is confident the process will result in a much different set of facts than those presented today and that it had good cause to terminate Mr. Kugler's employment. Close quote. Let's be clear. That's pretty definitive. He has every right to to defend himself. If he thinks it was a mistaken identity, miscommunication, whatever, I don't know what that means, but he has every right to defend himself. Uh, I have no clue what happened here. I'm inclined to believe the Cardinals have legitimate reason to terminate him. Uh, He seems to think otherwise. Let's let the legal system figure it out. But unfortunately, it's just another incident on top of literally everything that has gone on with the Cardinals. From the extensions of their GM and coach that were weird extensions. Like, nobody thought they deserved five years extra. The whole quarterback situation in the offseason with Kyler Murray and the all-capital letter uh, (laughs) that came from his agent. Uh the remember the Steve Wilkes lawsuit. Remember he that whole oh, thing yeah. too. I had forgotten about that. D Hop getting suspended. Uh, Kyler Murray eventually signs his contract. The homework clause situation. It's just nonstop drama. And all this time they've got cameras from Hard Knocks in the building. Oh, but the cameras haven't caught it. But apparently they don't pick up anything. Juicy. It doesn't matter. Jared Carlin, uh, the producer of the morning show Bickley Murata, had the best joke. If you want some positive fluff about the Cardinals, all you have to do is watch Hard Knocks. Coming up next. We got a rivalry brewing between a Valley and a Big Easy. Pelicans, Suns. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You think back and some great rivalries have occurred between the Suns and other franchises in the NBA. Obviously the Lakers in the 2000s. Spurs, Spurs in the 2000s as well. We might have another one budding right now, and it's actually kind of fun. I like this one. I don't hate this team as much as I hated the Spurs or the Lakers, but the New Orleans Pelicans are slowly becoming a quote-unquote rival to the Phoenix Suns. You'll remember they played each other in the first round of the playoffs. Was that just last season? feels like forever I mean, ago heck, that was May. I know. That was this year. That was this year. That's wild. You know what about. else is wild? This is the last time they're going to play each other in the regular season. And they they played each other like three times in the last week, it yep. feels like. Yep, and tonight's the fourth. Um, so the Pelicans, they played them in the first round of the playoffs. They were without Zion Williamson, who is, without a doubt, their most talented, I would say, player. They Probably their highest potential player, and has certainly done some work against the Suns this season. Mm-hmm. That series, while the Suns handled their business, uh, it was competitive in a way that I think a lot of people didn't think it would be. We obviously know what would happen to the Suns in the second round. We don't have to get into that. But nope, we're here, not going to. here during the regular season, I mean, they just played a back-to-back last week against the Pelicans, uh, and the Pelicans took both of them. They win by 11 in regulation in the first game. They win by 5 in overtime in the second game. And it goes without saying, but it feels like the Pelicans are becoming a rival of the Phoenix Suns. I have a question for you. Do you think that the reason that the Pelicans won both of those games... At least part of the reason why they won both of those games had to do with Zion. Because the first time that these two teams play, played each other earlier this year, it was Advantage Suns, and they even lost DeAndre Ayton in that game. And that was when Bismack Biombo off the bench had like 13 rebounds. Jock Landell was really stepping up. But the Pelicans didn't have their best player. 
And if you consider even those prior two games, they didn't have Brandon Ingram in either of those. Right. They didn't have Herb Jones in either of those. But Zion Williamson had 30-plus points in both of those wins for the Pelicans. I have to imagine, and this is probably just you know me saying the obvious, but he's a big part of why they've been as successful as they have been this year. In that game... I don't know what day this would have been. This is the first game of the back-to-back. Zion had 35 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. He had a plus-minus of plus 30. Wow. They were up 30 when Zion was on the floor. Wow. The Suns didn't have an answer to that guy. And that's with Aiton playing 40 minutes that night. Uh, Booker had come back. Or, uh, Booker was there. Paul had come back and played 34 minutes. So, like, this is a fairly healthy Suns team at this point. Obviously, no Cam Johnson. But was Cam Johnson going to stop Zion and his physical play? I doubt it. Um, that was the first game. The second game of that doubleheader, uh, Zion had 35 again, eight rebounds and three assists. He also had a steal in that. Weren't game. they without Booker? When did he sustain the hamstring injury? No Booker in the second game. Okay, that's what I thought. In the it was. second of the back to back, so you you could say obviously the Suns were a little shorthanded there, but also the Pelicans have been shorthanded as you mentioned. No Ingram, who is arguably their best, most polished player on the team. I mean, he was getting Kevin Durant comps in the playoffs last year. Just the way that he's built and the way that he plays his game, and it's. It's hard to ignore when you watch Brandon Ingram play. And again, I'm I'm not trying to discount what the other players provide to this Pelicans team, but at the top of the apex is Zion. It's very clear that Zion is what helps get this team to where it is right now. The Grizzlies are currently sitting atop the West. With the Pelicans only a game behind them, the Nuggets are two games back of the Grizzlies. The Suns are two and a half. So it's a pretty tight top of the Western Conference. Tight atop is messy below that. Well, and as you a little I, bit messy, the Kings, by say. the way, are right behind the Suns. That's weird. Light the beam, baby. Um, a, a lot of this is going to change. I still believe the Warriors are better than being 11th in the West right now. The Timberwolves if have more talent. They can figure out how to play teams. on the road. I would assume that. Yeah, Luca and the Mavericks are ninth, so they're not in the playoff picture as of right now. So I do think there are, there are some things that are going to work themselves out by the end of the season. Don't sure. get me wrong. Uh, but at the same time, the Pelicans to me feel like a couple of years back when the Bucks were starting to get real good or the Raptors were starting to get real good, and they were at the top of the conference, it doesn't mean they were ready to win championships yet. Which, mind you, the Bucks did. The Raptors did. So, But they might be the top of the conference in the regular season. It feels like there's an equivalent um, move that was made between all three of those teams. The Raptors, obvious. You get they Kawhi. got Kawhi Leonard, right? That was the obvious piece that helped push them to winning the NBA Finals. Finals MVP. That yeah. and Kevin Durant ripping his, through his Achilles, Clay Thompson tearing his ACL. Like There were factors on the other side, too, but Kawhi Leonard was a big part of the Raptors' success that season that they won. Very underrated addition by the Bucks, Drew Holiday. I don't mean underrated in the sense of he's not as good as people thought he is, but it was a kind of, it was a, it was a big trade, funny enough, involving the Pelicans, for the Bucks to get Drew Holiday, and look what he gave them. He got them to that next level that they had been trying to get to for years with Giannis and Chris Middleton and could just never get there until they got Drew Holiday. The Pelicans' equivalent move is C.J. McCollum, yeah. who is the only reason that they really got through having to be in a play-in tournament to begin with. He's He was the big motivator. He was the big veteran leader. He was the guy with the playoff experience. And now they get him for a full season. And I know I just glowed about how great Zion is and how important Zion is to the success of this Pelicans team. 
But CJ McCollum is second in line, playing a position that he's not naturally played a lot at the NBA level because he sacrificed being the point guard when Dame Willard was the point guard. But as a result, CJ McCollum knows exactly how to facilitate this team's offense. And look at how well it's working out for them. So there's there's a couple of questions I have about the budding rivalry. Number okay. one is we have yet to see these teams face each other completely healthy. Like yes. every single good player. We won't even get it tonight. DeAndre Ayton is out with an ankle injury. Right. So it's going to be a while before we see a matchup of these two squads completely playoffs. healthy. That'll at, be what's left. At, at the least, it would have to be the playoffs. So that's one aspect of this. But here's my other question to you. And I, I, I'm having trouble thinking of anything right now on the spot. But okay. Is there such thing as a fun rivalry? Because I think most fans would look back at the whole Lakers-Suns thing. Uh, obviously, there's the Robert Ory hip check. There's the Spurs. I don't think any Nobody of that was had, fun, though. No. I, it, it was fun that you were competitive, I guess, but people hated the Spurs. They still do. And the Spurs aren't even a factor in the NBA anymore. The Lakers haven't really been a major factor other than their championship a couple of seasons ago. Uh, I can give you one example. People hate them. I don't hate the Pelicans. I can give you one example that's not basketball related, though. Okay. The 2021 Giants and Dodgers in baseball. The Giants won 107 games. The Dodgers won 106. The Giants edged the head-to-head matchup throughout the season by a game. But that's specific to a season. I know. But then you also had the greatest playoff series in recent memory where it was the two best teams in baseball fighting to get to the next round, not even the World Series, fighting to get to the next round. That rivalry had been existent for years. Don't they hate each other, though? Here's here's what I'm getting to. One side had been dormant for so long, and finally, both of them are playing at a level that is at each other, neck and neck, head to head, with completely different builds. And as much as, as a Giants fan, as much as I hate the Dodgers, I very much enjoyed the heck out of every single one of those games that season. It was enjoyable. Like, there was no bad blood. There wasn't anything bitter. It was very clear, like, one team was spending a ton of money. The other one is riding off of this this big trio that they've had that got them their World Series in the first place. That's what I think of when I think of a fun rivalry when you paint it to me. Two teams that are wickedly good, that have a deep history, but there's nothing bad or evil or filthy going on between them. That's the hard part about this, is they the Suns and the Pelicans don't have a deep history. Hell, the organization of the Pelicans in general does not have a deep history. No. But for that reason, you can't really draw on old context. You can't draw on history to build a rivalry here. The other thing, though, is usually rivalries are built on... Hey, you knocked us out of the playoffs when we were making a deep run. You know, like the reason that we hate the Spurs is because they knocked out a really good Suns team. Yeah. The reason we hate the Lakers is because they often knocked out a really good Suns team. The Pelicans have yet to do that. I mean, the Suns knocked the Pelicans out in the first round last year, but that was their first time making the playoffs. It's not like they were in the Western Conference Finals and got knocked out. But I think there's also multiple layers to it. You know, you have former New Orleans Hornet, as much as he was Charlotte Hornet, Chris Paul who kind of helped begin the revolution that was basketball in the city of New Orleans. It's true. And now you've got this completely next generation of New Orleans Pelicans. And, I mean, Chris Paul is a big part of now what this rivalry is. Jay Crowder was probably the biggest face of it last year. Of course, Jay Crowder's not involved this year. But Chris Paul feels like definitely the 
the public enemy number one for the Pelicans this time around. I wonder, too, if part of the reason this feels like a rivalry is because the Pelicans and the Suns can't really lay claim to other rivalries. Like, we think we're rivals with the Spurs. Do the Spurs think that about the Suns? And the Spurs are Probably also not. bad. Rivalries are not fun when it's one-sided. Do the Lakers really feel that they have a rivalry with the Suns? Probably not. It's probably more with the Warriors or, you know, somebody else in a bigger situation. I feel like history-wise, it's the Lakers, but probably not right now. Same with uh, the Spurs. All right, coming up next, we're going to get the absolute latest on what's going on with the Arizona Cardinals. And now, without their starting quarterback for the foreseeable future, Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider, will join us next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Ferraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch Ferraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. Uh, quick football update. Uh, if you thought that the Vikings were a good football team, uh, apparently they're not. Uh, it's 17-0 in favor of the Colts as the first quarter with three, oh, about four minutes to go. Uh, Matt Ryan with a passing touchdown to Dion Jackson, uh, Jonathan Taylor in the locker room for that game. So we might not see the rest of him, but who we are going to see, uh, metaphorically speaking right now, because he's on the phone, the Arizona Sports Line. He's Tyler Drake from Arizona Sports. He covers the Cardinals for us, our insider. Ty, how are you doing this morning? What's up, guys? I'm making some uh, some big ziti, so getting ready for Baked some good uh, okay. Yeah, getting a, fancy with it. Do you have like a secret ingredient that you put in your ziti? No, the, uh, the one thing I will say is that, you know, instead of, uh, I think, the normal way of doing it, we stack them straight up and put cheese in the middle. So extra Ooh. extra goodness right there. What do you think about that, Steve? You like extra I'm cheese very hungry. Ziti? I'm just waiting on an invite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on by. Come on after the show. Last week it was golfing I didn't get invited to. This week I don't get food. God. Yeah, Steve's been kind of screwed the past couple of weeks. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Ty, this is a difficult question for me to answer. I wonder wonder what yours will be. What is the worst thing going on right now for the Arizona Cardinals? Because there's a lot of them. Yeah, I think it's it's just the inability to focus solely on football. I think that's the – if I had to put it on that, I think that's kind of an encompassing uh, answer there. But I think at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, there's no more chance at a playoff uh, berth, and you know you want to put your best foot forward over these last four four games, but at the same time, it just seems like there's just one thing after another. Just you, you can't focus on the X's and O's. You got to focus on everything else outside of that, and then you get some kind of X's and O's at the end of the day. So then, focusing purely on the football team itself, and not the what's happening off the field of this football team. What are you noticing as far as, oh, how can I phrase this? What are you noticing that they're trying to improve on heading into this Sunday's game? Yeah, you know, I think just for me, it just seems like they're really trying to get this running game established. Uh, the last few games, they've been over 100 yards as a team. You know, James Conner had 120 that the, against the Chargers and then had a uh, 85 and a touchdown against uh uh, just this last week, so definitely uh, that's a spot of emphasis that they want to you know improve on, and I think just getting the young guys involved more and, and the guys that have earned those spots. It's the Trey McBride's making sure he's confident going into the offseason to where he can build off that and and really be that second option uh, alongside Zach Ertz, or even has to be that number one option depending on how he comes back with his uh, knee injury. So I would say that, yeah, and just the you know the Lucita Smith, the you know Christian Matthew might be thrown into the mix, uh, might even start with just the injuries that the cornerbacks are having 
And, uh, yeah, I think it's really focusing on, uh, yeah, run game and getting the young guys, you know, more time to to really get that their confidence boosted before the end of the season and, and you know, really end on a high note there. Okay, so you mentioned James Conner, and I wanted to follow up on that while I was thinking about it because he signed the contract this offseason. He had not met the expectations for the first several weeks, and then he got hurt and was out for that stretch of time in the middle of the year. But you mentioned it, though the running game is looking a lot better, and he finally got that 100-yard carry game. Do you think that James Conner has really found his groove back? Do you think he's back to looking like what he was last season? I definitely think he's he's taken a step, and, and I don't know how much that is part of, you know, having Steve Hyde and Natkin taking more of a role with the run game and, and offensive line room. You know, it's it's a lot of different things that are going into it. And I think just, you know, when you get down to it, I think it's just they really wanted to focus on that. Going into these last games, even with, uh, you know, when Kyler was still healthy, I, that was the, that was the name of the game. And I think they really found that, you know, that little foothold against the Chargers and really wanted to build on that. And, and now that's really the, I mean, that's, that's really where you want to start these last four games is when, with the run game and let James Conner, you know, go to work and show that, you know, he, that, that contract he signed this last offseason was warranted. We're talking to Tyler Drake. He's our Cardinals insider at Arizona Sports. Dot com. So no playoffs, no starting quarterback anymore for the foreseeable future. Your GM has a health issue. What's left to motivate this team right now? Uh, I think it's just playing for playing for the guy next to you. I really think it is. I think it's having your leaders, uh, you know, say, hey, this is what it is. And then having everybody else kind of fall in line. And, and I think really it's playing with pride, playing with the guy next to you. I mean, what, there's 28 pending free agents. So. A lot of these guys are playing for potentially another job or, or they're, they're, this is their, you know, their resume builder, if you will. So there's a lot of stuff to still play for. I mean, you obviously want to get the wins. Buddha said, you know, that's all we want to do right now. Get a W. Play good, get a W. And, and so that's not lost on the players. And, and I think, as you know, playoffs are not, no longer a thing for them. But you got to play for the guy next to you. you got to play for the guys that you've been playing with every single day, every practice, every game. So that's really what it comes down to, I think, over this, this uh, final stretch. With Kyler out, Colt McCoy takes the reins. I think he's done a pretty good job as a backup quarterback in this organization. He's very capable. I wouldn't say he has a high ceiling, but he's definitely got a pretty high floor as an NFL quarterback. What's the plan if Colt were to get hurt? God forbid. Like, what? what's the backup plan now? Yeah, that's the... Uh... That's the one thing where I think everybody's just holding their breath, waiting for that not to happen. Because if that is the case, I mean, it's Trace McSorley. It's a couple guys they just signed off the street. I mean, it's it's very much a uh, it's that's guy. I mean, it's already worst case scenario with Kyler being gone. But if Colt were to go down, I don't even know what to call it at that point. So it would just you better believe the run game is going to get a lot of work if if there's any other quarterback not named Colt McCoy taken uh, under center. (laughs) Okay, how about then looking forward to next year and assuming we won't have Kyler Murray, or the Cardinals won't have Kyler Murray, I should say, available for that first week of the regular season next year. We know Colt McCoy is under contract, but then after that they don't have anybody else. So in your opinion... Do you think that this team will be okay running Colt McCoy out there week one of next season if Kyler's unavailable? Or do they have to go to a plan B either through free agency, a trade, or hell, even the draft? 
Yeah, I wouldn't think the draft. That seems very wild. That seems completely out of the box, but maybe that's, uh, who knows at this point with, with what's going on. But right. uh, I, yeah, you know, I would just say, I think Colt would be the guy. I think there's a lot of confidence in him. He's, he's basically another coach. He talks with every single player, every teammate, it seems like every coach, it seems like. So the guy really is, is ingrained with this offense. They, everybody loves him. Everybody talks highly of him. But at the same time, yeah, you know, you'd think probably sign somebody off the street again for next season, but get him in the off season, get him worked in the worked in the uh, system. And I mean, I don't think they would trade for a quarterback, but I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody that could really move the needle comes available. I, I just, I don't see that happening. But, and then we also have to think about this guys, like who's making these moves in the off season, because with how everything's going right now, we don't know if Steve Kimes coming back or right. if, if, or when he's coming back. And we don't know, how much you know authority Adrian and, and Q are going to have moving forward with this team making moves like that. So that's something to really watch too. Are they going to be uh, inclined to be less aggressive just because, you know, the decision makers, I mean, it's just kind of a unknown situation right now. It's a great point. We're talking to Tyler Drake, Cardinals insider at ArizonaSports.com. The Cardinals are facing a team that is also going through a quarterback situation. No Russell Wilson for the Broncos this weekend. What is this team saying about Brett Rippon and how they're preparing for a quarterback that's fairly unknown? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the uh, leaving no stone unturned, it sounds like. And and I think there's only about six games to really go off of uh, his resume, but uh, it was actually funny. Buda Baker told us he actually played against uh, Brent Rippon in uh, high school. So that was kind of cool. He's like, yeah, it's kind of a full circle moment for me. And it'll be cool to kind of like say what's up to him. But uh, you know, obviously he's focused on getting the W and, and I think at the end of the day, that's really what it is. And, They've got everybody, uh, you know, I asked Buddha, I'm like, do you even look at, because at that point, we weren't sure if Russell was playing or not. So I was like, do you even look at Seahawks uh, film at this point? He goes, nope, just look at Denver. But we've also got to look at Rippon and, and all these other, uh, you know, pieces. And, I mean, Cortland Sutton not playing this huge, and that hurts them for sure. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like they've got a, sounds like they've got a decent plan, and, and we'll just see if they can uh, put it in motion. So I want to ask you then, because this – and. You know that I'm very well aware of the struggles of the Denver Broncos this season. But the offense finally appeared to have gotten into a rhythm last week. Apparently it took 13 weeks for them to be able to do that. While simultaneously they've got a backup quarterback, they're going to be down several of their wide receivers, several of their running backs, several of their offensive linemen. This feels like a game where the Cardinals' defense should feast. But in your opinion, where's the trap that the Cardinals need to avoid? I mean, I think it's just, I, I think what's going to, the, the main thing I'm looking at at this, at this game is going to be the secondary for the Cardinals, just because no Byron, Antonio Hamilton's questionable, it's Marco Wilson's questionable, it's just a lot of, a lot of things could really be different in that, that in the uh, secondary. So, I mean, Christian Matthews really, it, he might be put on the spotlight a little bit by the Denver's offense. So, and so how do they, how do they, combat that. I think that's going to be the big thing I'm, I'm going to be looking for for sure. Tyler, as always, thanks so much. Enjoy the ZD. Uh, and if we don't talk to you before then, have a happy holidays, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Come on by, guys. I'll see you soon. <laughs> thanks, Show ends Ty. at 1 o'clock. We'll be over. <laughs> Tyler Drake. <laughs> he's with Arizona Sports, covers the Cardinals for us. Does a great job. If you don't uh, already know of Tyler's work, you can find it on the Arizona Sports app on ArizonaSports.com. That's and good, because I didn't have lunch plans. T. Drake for Sports. Uh, oh, I'm seeing something interesting on Twitter. I'm just going to divert real quick from okay. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. 
<clears throat> excuse me. Support for Steve Wilkes getting the hashtag Panthers head coaching job full time is building in some league circles after his four and four start. An AFC exec, quote, slam dunk to take interim tag off title, better brand of football since he took over, at close quote. And then an NFC exec, quote, they play hard for him, has full command of locker room, close quote. Where the hell was that Steve Wilkes four years ago? I I do think, <laughs> so there's a couple things with Steve Wilkes. I do think that he was in a very bad position with the Cardinals. They had no quarterback. They tried the whole Sam Bradford thing. They tried Josh Rosen for a time. It was a bad time to be the Cardinals head coach, no doubt about that. It was a bad situation to begin with. I do think that he was not really a schematic fit for what ownership and what Kime were looking for. He's a hard-nosed, defensive-minded, tough mm-hmm. disciplinarian-type coach. Uh, and maybe that personality didn't fit very well either. But I think that that fit made itself pretty clear very early on that it was not good in Arizona. It doesn't mean it's not the right fit for someone else. And True. part of the reason that the Cardinals hired him was because he was so successful in Carolina as their defensive coordinator. I don't remember the context of their coaching situation at the time. I think Rivera might have still been there. Yes. So that's but why I mean, Wilkes had Wilkes left was for a the job. DC of <laughs> front Ferris Panthers. Yeah, that's how he got hired. So I, I'm not I'm not surprised Steve Wilkes is having this success because he's had it there before. I kind of want to touch on this later. We'll talk more about the Cardinals ownership situation. Be sure to listen to that later on. But coming up next, we've got a football game to update you about, and all the other ones taking place this weekend and around the NFL. Next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mitch and Steve go around the NFL on Arizona Sports Saturday. That's right. We take a look around the NFL, and apparently the NFL beat us to it today. In case you didn't know, three Saturday games taking place all on the NFL Network today. Uh, Currently, and Steve, I want to set you up for what you did write for this game because I'm still laughing about it. The Indianapolis Colts have a 20 to nothing lead over the Minnesota Vikings at 13.02 in the second quarter. I was planning on telling everyone about how awful the Colts' offense is, how bad Mm -hmm. this team is overall, how Minnesota was going to get back on track, Uh how they were going to be 7 and 1 after this game today. Okay. They're down 20 right now, the Vikings. 7-1 and one at home. Correct? At home, sorry. 7-1 okay. and one at home this season. Yeah, they're down 20 nothing. so this would be one hell of a comeback if that uh, that fruit, if Great that, start for if the that prediction is going to stay true. They still have most of the second quarter left to go. This is very early in this game. They're up 20 nothing. It must be the whole Jeff Saturday coaching on a Saturday. That must be He's going to go 1-0 and oh on Saturdays. Let's go! All right, there's other NFL games to get to. In case you missed it Thursday, 49ers clinched the NFC West 21-13 over the Seahawks. We're now reeling. Brock Purdy is the story of the NFL right now. Oh, 100%. Third-string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, picked right at the end of the draft. Arizona local kid. He's kind of small, but he's got the arm talent. Here's the question. If Brock Purdy takes them to the playoffs, they win a game, maybe two. They're going to win the Super Bowl. If they go to, they're going to win the Super Bowl. If they just win one playoff game with Brock Purdy, do you really bench him for Trey Lance? No. You have three you quarterbacks don't even there. Bench him for Jimmy G. You have three quarterbacks there, and two of them have could have possibly won playoff games for you, and you're going to go with the third guy? Yeah. All right. Well, we have a guest in the next segment, so we're just going to fly through these. We yep. don't just pick winners. Steve's going to tell you why you should watch this game in the first place. So the other Saturday games, Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. 
Well, no Lamar Jackson. Nope. Uh, Huntley's coming off of a head injury, a concussion. Concussion protocol, yeah. I'm interested to see how Deshaun Watson is received by the home fans, because I'll bet you a lot of people in Cleveland are very torn on their starting quarterback. He's two games in, and he has, I think, one touchdown pass. And two losses. Not a great start. Not a great start. This is at his all. first home game, I think. Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills in a snowball later I lo- tonight. I love Mike McDaniel, by the way. I think he's probably the most entertaining coach in the colder. NFL. Uh, <laughs> he's great. Here's my opinion on the snow thing. If you're going to be a team in Buffalo or Green Bay or wherever and it snows, play the game in the snow. I'm glad that this one's going to actually happen. Uh, and the reason I'm not bringing up fantasy players other than for time's sake is a lot of you are in the playoffs right now. So uh, good luck to you with your fantasy playoff endeavors. And there's a Sunday slate that's going to help you out, starting with the Philadelphia Eagles at the Chicago Bears. The Eagles have the number three offense, the number two defense in the entire league. They probably have the MVP at quarterback. They traded for A.J. Brown. They drafted a Heisman winning receiver. What more do you want? The Eagles are fantastic. By the way, Justin Fields, I feel like he's being developed as a runner. I work that the Bears aren't really developing him as a password, and that's a bad idea for a quarterback. The pass yards are low, but the arm talent is good. I think the Bears are just trying to put him at his highest strength, and it it has worked in the sense of Justin Fields looks good, and they're still losing, so they'll get a good draft pick. The Atlanta Falcons on the road at the New Orleans Saints. Desmond Ritter's first NFL start. Yeah, what does that mean for their future at the quarterback position, I wonder? Do they have their guy? Is this the guy they're going to roll with? And honestly, New Orleans could probably ask the same question. Andy Dalton is playing for them right now. James so Winston they have still. These are two teams that I don't think we're seeing the end of their quarterback discussions. The problem for the Saints is, is they don't have their first rounder. Uh, <laughs> coincidentally, Philadelphia does. So Philadelphia is going to have a top, at this rate, top five pick after having the best record in the NFL. Detroit Lions on the road against the New York Jets. Zach Wilson is back! Yeah, no Mike White. I'm a little disappointed. I'm not going to lie to you, but he got repeatedly nailed in the ribs last week. Uh, The Lions are one of my favorite teams in the NFL. Their offense is legit, even with a mid-level quarterback like Jared Goff. I love their offensive line. I love their weapons. I love their offensive coordinator. I just hope that they find a defense in the next couple years because they're going to need one if they want to make the playoffs this year. They might. But I don't think they'll do anything in the playoffs. Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the suddenly surging Carolina Panthers. It's like we talked about. Steve Wilkes might actually have the inside track on becoming the permanent head coach of the Carolina Panthers. They might win the division. I know. Keep this in mind, by the way. Just because Steve Wilkes was a bad fit in Arizona doesn't mean he's a bad fit in Carolina or elsewhere. I think he could end up being the head coach there. It'll be an interesting play out. Permanent sure. head coach. It'll be interesting to play out for sure. Mitchell Trubisky to start in this one. Kenny Pickett going through concussion protocol was not cleared. Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Could they sneak out of the division in the AFC South? They have five wins. I could reasonably see at least two more, if not three. I know that they're coming off of a loss to the Commanders, but I actually feel like the Jaguars are starting to figure things out. And I kind of like Trevor Lawrence. And the Cowboys are coming off a game where they beat the Houston Texans, which sounds normal. But they beat the Houston Texans by three, which is not good. Speaking of those Texans, they're hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. By the way, uh, Texans will not be playing Damian Pierce. They will not be playing Brandon Cooks. They will not be playing Nico Collins. And they will not be playing Derek Stingley Jr., their quarterback. Oh, good. So this is basically a bowl game for the Texans. <laughs> you mean the Chiefs? <laughs> or no? Well, well yeah, the Texans. No, 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 I got it's your, a bowl game. They're like, you know what? We don't want to play anybody. Um, so We're I'm preparing a, for the NFL draft. The I'm Texans actually curious. Are. I'm going to divert from you real quick. Okay. The Chiefs have a minus 14 and a half. Yeah. 
Would you push that to a minus 20 and a half? Uh, 17. 17? I'll go in between. Okay. So would you do 16 and a half or would you do 17 and a half? Think a little uh, bit more. 16 and a half. Okay. Okay. Let's put it this way. I like the Chiefs <laughs> in this one. All right. How about a, um, as it is kindly called by one of my favorite YouTubers, a tank bowl. Arizona Cardinals at the Denver Broncos. See, what's funny is I don't think either team is tanking. The Broncos have no reason to tank because their pick goes to Seattle. Right. Sorry, Mitch. Here's, here's uh, the moral dilemma. If you're a Cardinals fan, do you want your team to lose so not only do you get a better draft pick, but Seattle gets a worse pick? No, because I don't think the quality of that draft pick is going to matter all that much to Cardinals fans because as of right now, I think it's like six or seven in the first round. And I, even if you move up a couple slots, you're not picking a quarterback. It doesn't matter. You're picking the best player that you need. I guess. There's is there really much good, of a difference between the fifth pick and the seventh? There's some really good offensive linemen in this draft. And I think if the Cardinals want to improve this roster, that is where they need to start. New England Patriots, who enjoyed using the University of Arizona Stadium to practice this week because they're headed to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Yeah, every time I go to Vegas, bad things happen. I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm going to say it's a bad week for the Patriots. I think the Raiders could win this one at home, and they are favored in this game. Oh, wow. Minus one. Yeah. I don't like that. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't like that, especially the Raiders coming off that loss to Baker Mayfield's Rams. I wonder what Bill Belichick does when he goes to Vegas. Uh, I don't know. I just stay in the hotel. We're on to the MGM. (laughs) Tennessee Titans on the road against the L.A. Chargers. This is a very intriguing record game. And they're both 7-6, fairly equal home and away records. The Chargers are actually favored in this game. I feel like people are really starting to lose faith in Justin Herbert. I mean, the guy's going to have 4,000 passing yards after this game. Did I, they see what he did against Miami? I, I know. Oh, my God. But I feel like before that, 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 there was a conversation about, is he better than Tua? I'm like, yes, he's better than Tua. Yeah. I mean, Let's end that debate. Did you see Tua against the Chargers? I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Unfortunately. How, how the hell can he do anything better against the Bills? Uh, Bengals on the road against the Buccaneers. Joe Burrow, Tom Brady. I do wonder what's going to happen with Tom Brady after this season because the Buccaneers clearly are falling apart before our very eyes. I can tell you this. The man who destroyed the coaching office in Tampa is most certainly not coming back to Tampa. Funny how that works out, right? What's also funny is I think the Bucs still have a pretty good chance of going to the playoffs. Uh, They're leading the uh, division. At 6-7. and But they're leading their division, and that's all that matters at this point in the season. How about this? This is a... Pretty good Sunday night matchup that got flexed in. New York Giants on the road against the Washington Commanders at 7-5-1, and one, both of these teams. Yeah, the NFC least has really become the NFC most. I mean, there's some good teams in this division. And yeah. I don't even know that I would say the Commanders are a good team. I don't know that the Giants are a good team. But they're both 7-5. They have good records. I will argue seven, that the one, Commanders are a really good team because they have a stout defense. And despite them spending what they did to bring in Carson Wentz, clearly Taylor Heineke has won over the rest of this offense. Commanders favored by four and a half. That might be a bit much for me, given that they just tied two weeks ago. But I still like the Durs to win in this one, as Jesse Morrison would the say. The Durs. The Durs. I have another uh, commenter I listen to who calls them the C-words. Monday night, L.A. Rams in Lambeau taking on the Green Bay Packers. 
which is not as bright and sparkly as we thought it would be. Yeah, based point. on like pure clout of organizations alone, this is a great matchup. Based on how they're performing this season, this is a terrible matchup. Yeah, I mean, this is a four and nine Super Bowl champion team that's one and four on the road, and they go to Lambeau in December to face the Packers, who are five and eight with their fourth quarterback this year. Ugh. Would they keep Baker Ugh. Mayfield? I think they should. Stafford's the guy going forward, but I think you should keep Baker. I think Does Sean McVay want to stay around? I don't know about that. Depends on how much a TV network's willing to pay. That'd be very interesting indeed. Uh, quick update on the scoreboard. Oh my goodness. It's 23-0 Colts. Call Second it now. quarter's still halfway. Call through. it now. End the game. The Vikings are going for it on every fourth down from here on out. I'm calling it. All right, coming up next, uh, about August ago, we were all very, very curious what the Denver Broncos would look like with Russell Wilson. Now, what the hell? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday.